Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to part two of this week's Clash of the Titles, Farch. The podcast that for one week only this March pits two movies with something in common picked by fans of the show and puts them in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. On Monday's episode, we were filled with glee, son, chatting about Martin McDonough's debut feature in Bruges, which means today we're calling you all over to Ireland for another bout of bickering as we come right up to speed with the writer and director's latest 2022s, the Banshees of Inner Sherin. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It's eight weeks since my last confession, I think. Go on, Colin. Uh, just the usual, I suppose, Father. The drinking and the impure thoughts. And a bit of pride, I suppose. Although I never really saw that as a sin. But you're, I'm here now. And how's the despair? Not so much of it of late, thanks be. And why aren't you talking to Parik Sullivan no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? It wouldn't be a sin, no. But it's not very nice either, is it? So which film will I wish I'd never seen and which will I wish to watch again and again? We'll have a winner at the end of the show, so let's get it on. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. A stick with a hook. What would you use it for, I wonder? To hook things that are the length of the stick away. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly, and you're a limited man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at Alex. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> not, not your birthday anymore. <laughs> just, uh, just for the record there. Okay, so this is part two of a special one-off week of Clash of the Titles. Farch and the McDonough melee that is in Bruges versus Banshees of Inner Sheeran. As you well know, one film will be declared the winner at the verdict at the end of the show. Chris, who do we have to thank for this clash? Uh, that would be Lawrence Sainsbury. And... Damo? Damo. Yeah, Lawrence and Damo. Thank you for this wonderful clash, guys, and for being the one and only listeners. Well, there's two of you, so the two and only listeners. Does that work? The two, two and only, no. No, it doesn't. No. No. Only two. The only two. Thanks yeah. very much, yeah. The only two listeners to ever in the history of the show get to pick a farch clash. <laughs> right, let's do this. On Monday, Chris was in Bruges, which means today I'm screaming like a banshee, specifically of Inner Sherin. Let me take you on a journey. 
Simple Porrick has a routine where he calls on his friend Colm every day at two o'clock to go down the pub. But today, Colm ignores him. As it transpires, Colm is having something of a later life crisis and wants to compose a piece of music on his fiddle as a legacy for himself, something he believes constantly listening to the nice but dull Porrick is preventing him from doing. So he just cuts Porring out of his life like that. Demands that Porring never speak to him ever again. And when Porring fails to take a hint, Colm, like you do, says he'll cut off his fiddle playing fingers every time Porring speaks to him. And when Porring fails to take a hint, he does just that. All is well, I guess. Until Porring's miniature donkey, Jenny, chokes to death on one of Colm's fat fingers in the saddest movie scene of the year, Porring's sister leaves for the mainland so he's all alone. He burns down Colm's house, but in the end they decide, there's just no moving on from what's happened. The end. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Clash is for your consideration. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. So, <clears throat> histories with this movie. Chris. Yeah, I saw a pretty early screening of it at a film festival where I reviewed it and it's been on my mind ever since. It takes up way too much space in my brain, this film does, about what it's about, about what I think of that. Um, I think I remember tweeting that, that I felt such empathy and I felt really sorry for Colm in this film and a couple of people tweeted me back saying you're a psychopath. Yep. Wait a minute, <laughs> Just I'm going to jump ahead. Do you think we hold you back? What is that what about? that is? Is that what that is? You no. identify with calm because we no, we you. curtail your creative endeavours. Not you. Not you. Not yeah. not I me. I think more life. More life does. Oh, okay. I just sorry. That's my paranoia. And also, could you when you say not you, it could you, you look at look at both of us and say not you? Because you just looked at Vicky and said not you, yeah. not you. I raised you up. And I was not you. I was, yeah. I was, I was, just need a little bit of eye contact with me, not, so the not, sentiment is not, extended. Not you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. That makes no, me, no, that makes me feel no, no, not in podcasting terms. But that's because this is work. So I, I, I guess if this, this is part of your work. This is part of this is part of your legacy, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. This is the, this is the, one of my creative endeavors. Yeah. When everything else, when all that's left on this planet is McDonald's wrappers and cockroaches, <laughs> there will be a time capsule with this podcast in it. We'll ensure that. <laughs> Which episode, though? Mortal Kombat Street Fighter. No, I think. Yeah. I think it Free could. Jack versus Labyrinth. Free Jack Labyrinth is probably the one. Or the, the strongest man in the world. <laughs> Toughest man. Whatever. I'm pleased I don't know. Goes through a wall. <laughs> it doesn't go over it or around it. Goes through it. Why? Because he's the toughest man in the fucking world. So that's my history. And I gave it a very, very positive uh, review. Mm-hmm. Good. So, so you like this movie then? Yeah. Good. B. I watched it for the podcast. Really? I'm glad I watched it. Uh, it would have been on my list. I do like Martin McDonough's um, <laughs> output. <laughs> Resources. I enjoy his resources <laughs> enormously. Um, so yeah, I was pleased. I'm really glad that we got to do it on the on the show. I liked it very much. Okay, good, good. Uh, I watched it about a month ago. Uh, I cried my eyes out at Porrig holding Jenny's body over his knee, stroking her. I thought, well, at least <laughs> that's done forever. <laughs> at least I never have to live through that moment again. And then Chris goes. We're doing it. <laughs> We're doing the bench. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's the first film. <coughs> this you don't need to know, but for, for logistical reasons, if something's on Disney Plus, I can't watch it on the telly because my telly's too old, right? So it means Mark can't watch it. He's normally thrilled to be, no, please, please. It's, it's embarrassing. I'm fixing it, whatever. So the first time ever in the history of this podcast, he was like, What are you watching? I said, Banshee's in a sharing. He's like, Great, I want to watch it. I'm said, I'm really sorry, you can't. And he was disappointed. Wow. Yeah, I know. We crossed the threshold, really, in terms of that business last week. Might be a good thing, though, because I showed this to my partner. And 
and she was so devastated at the end she said I wished I hadn't watched that's that that's really stupid you told me that last week yeah and I can just see your lovely fiance and I just wish I'd never seen it but we had lunch on Friday and uh, we had a day off went did the South Bank and we talked about the film all through lunch and like she's really glad she watched it now she loves it now but mm-hmm. it was just it was a bit of a shock at the time right when you say you talked about it did she say anything or did you just tell her yeah. a, a, about the movie and I, why she loved it I for read, like two hours I read my notes out to her <laughs> Is that what you do over a meal? It is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> right then, let me tell you a little bit about the movie. Uh, you mentioned this on Monday, Chris. Uh, the original idea for Banshees uh, came about as a basis for a play that McDonough wanted to write in the late 90s. Uh, the original title was The Banshees of Inner Shear, and it was intended to be the third instalment of his series of plays that he dubbed the Aran Islands Trilogy, which included the cripple of Inishman and the lieutenant of Inishmore. But he didn't do it, did he? No, he said the play was crap. (laughs) Did he really? I didn't find that quote. Yeah, he said the play was crap. And then he wrote it as a film script uh, a few years ago and he finished the film script. Have you got this? And he sent it to the actors. Yeah, I've only just heard this on a very recent interview with Colin Farrell. He sent it to the actors, uh, Brendan and Colin, and they both loved it. And then he changed his mind again and said it's crap. But I can tell you what happens in that script. Um, apparently, it's much more plot heavy than what we ended up with. It, there's a major character in it, which is a soldier who's over on the island from the mainland. There's a massive shootout at the end on the beach. Um, uh, Colin Farrell's character, Padre, bleeds out at the end of the movie. It's much more dynamic, more violent, bigger scope. Colin Farrell loved it. And then five years later, McDonough sent in the new script and he was disappointed with how much less cool his character was. Aww. That's how he described it. But he said it was a much better, it was Has a much better story. Has he been nominated for an Oscar, yes, Colin Farrell? Yeah. So he'll be pleased if he wins that, though, won't he? Because yes, no, he said it was a much better script. Yeah. It was just his, I'm just his, not as cool as character. Yeah, <laughs> I do have a nice jumper. Though. Although he did say it wouldn't be hard for any character to be cooler than Padre. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just uh, agree on the pronunciation of Colin Farrell's name? Because I've been calling him Porrick. I would have gone with Porrick also. Right, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Porrick. Okay, sorry, uh, my, my 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 fault. No, it's fine. I mean, uh, we'll we'll know if Nikki runs in and. Uh, Wait, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, will we say that again, Nikki? Guys, don't worry. It's Borek. Yeah, Borek. yeah, you're right. You're Borek. Right. Borek. Uh, yeah, okay. Thanks, Nikki. I'll just put it down to my accent if I've got it wrong. Thanks, Nikki. That's great. <laughs> Apologies, Nikki. That's lovely. Okay, so, uh, I, I mean, I was closer. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the main thing. <laughs> how, how do you spell uh, the actual play's Dominic's name? How do you pronounce it, rather? Kyogen. Okay. Yeah, and I did check with Nicky because Nicky. <laughs> That's one we did check beforehand. But he pronounces it. He said he said, he's gone on record and said I pronounce the G. Okay. So yeah. that's that's when we get to Barry Keoghan. Yeah. That's why yeah. I'm going to be saying through it. me because I see that name and I say Kean. Yeah. Right. Which uh, again we would Maj- majority of people do. Right. Oh, okay. Barry does not. Okay. Barry doesn't. Barry doesn't. Uh, okay, so uh, this is the first film McDonough's made in Ireland since his Oscar-winning short that you mentioned on Monday, Six Shooter. So good. Mm, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. I haven't seen it. Uh, it was shot uh, on the Aran Islands off the west coast of Ireland. Uh, Inner Sharon, uh, as I said, is uh, made up. I mentioned that on Monday. Uh, the name Inner Sharon actually translates from Gaelic to English as the island of Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I guess leaning into the idea that this is a microcosm of what is happening on the mainland of Ireland. Yep. Uh, McDonough uh, said uh, he, he, he wanted to shoot uh, and show Ireland in its beauty. So uh, a lot of the shoot took place on the island of Inishmore, uh, the largest of the Aran Islands. Uh, 
He said, McDonough, I used to think it was touristy, but there's something quite magical about it. He said he didn't feel that Ireland's beauty has been really captured enough in movies. A lot of Irish films, this is his quote, are very low budget and the cinema of them can be lost in a way to capture the beauty of Western Ireland was in all of our minds. And mm. I think he's achieved that. Yeah, and he would have called it Inishmore as well. But because some scenes weren't filmed on there, he just said he thought it would be false. It would be a lie mm-hmm. to claim that this is just Inishmore. And so that's why we get this fictional island, which I think probably works better. It feels like this is a fable mm. or a myth rather than a, a true story. So yes, very much so. I think that works. Um, and I think you were talking about this last week, V. Uh, this is sort of the biggest uh, piece of interest uh, around the film. And it's uh, it's been a suggestion from some Irish journalists uh, that the film leans into the stereotypes of Ireland and Irish people too heavily and perpetuates myths of what rural Ireland is like. Uh, For example, drinking Guinness in pubs while people play the fiddle in the corner, livestock wandering around inside tiny cold cottages, stoic and long-suffering women. Now, a lot of this comes from an article, which I think you you pointed me in the direction of, the one from Slate magazine? It it was me. Was it you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. See, he should have looked at me at the start and then I'd have credited (laughs) him. So uh, Mark O'Connell is the writer and he talks about how McDonough, who is half Irish and grew up in London and only visited the west coast of Ireland uh, for holidays. He, it's, he's talking about his early plays, but he says McDonough's view of Ireland, uh, while clearly the work of an Irish writer, is informed by an emigrant's reverence and romanticism and that he was self-consciously playing with the cliches of Irishness without ever trying to say anything about those signifiers or what it might mean to employ them. Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? I didn't know that. I'm glad I know that now before we mm. go into it. Because if Porrick represents Ireland and Colm represents more like the English, mm. so Porrick even says to him at one point when he uses the turn phrase, and yet, and he goes, oh, like he's English. So as Martin McDonough romanticised what it means to be Irish, and so Porrick is very innocent and very... Um, What's the right word? Honest, happy with himself. He's like when you first meet him, he's like backlit by a rainbow. Like he's perfect. Like it's simple and bucolic and rustic and all the rest of it. And there's also the the the, the suggestion that probably of the two of them, Porrig has never left in a sherry, whereas yeah. Brendan Gleeson's character, Colm, has art from around the world, and I think his costume, well, I was going to talk about it later, but the costume designer has clearly designed designed his costume with the idea that he has travelled right. and learnt what it might look like to dress more like a poet, and uh, he's brought that okay. back with him to the island, whereas Porrig's outfit is sort of very naive and okay. innocent and childlike mm. almost. Yeah. I think the first time I watched it, I did even mention in my review that it felt like it sort of leans into the Father Ted craggy islandness of it all right but then this time watching it having read that article i was paying more attention and i guess i guess if i thought they were there were stereotypes of stupid irish people watching it this time it uh, isn't stupid he's nice and dull but he's not stupid yeah and then dominic i think watching it this time i felt much more that dominic has a learning disability Mm. um that, that dominic might be on the spectrum rather than that he's you know the village idiot oh, as, that's, as it, that's interesting I, d- I don't think so, but I can see why you... you yeah. No, it's I'm interesting because right. he's dis- got a lot of ticks. Yeah. I disagree fundamentally with that, but we'll come to that. We'll get to that nearer the end, but that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Dominic is, is an interesting character that I have some questions slash issues uh, with. I read his ticks as a product of his household. Like he's, he's got a really stressful life mm. and he's probably always looking over his shoulder quite a lot because of his dad. Mm. So that's where I thought he was. And then I think the film 
gave me license to think that when he corrects Porik about, well, not corrects him, uh, educates him about where touche comes from. And he says from the French. And so in th- you laugh in that moment because you're like, oh, you're smarter than he is. And you're meant to be the village idiot. And then it's like, so you're, you're not an idiot. You're obviously not. Mm. And the way that you go through the world is because you've just got this incredibly anxiety ridden, abusive home life basically it, well i mean we're, but i don't we're, know we're kind of getting into it now but I, I do think dominic is a character he's quite a confusing character and not in a, a sort of like oh that's interesting he's led I, f- I find that he's almost two entirely different characters at various points in this film yes and not in a good way in, in a way that he makes such astute observations about you know the situation that Colm. And Porrig are in when he says, when Colm stopped talking to him, he goes, what, is he 12? Yeah. And then he talks about how Porrig has changed and he's become nasty and he always thought he was a nice one. Like, really on the nose, like, definite good observations. And yet when he approaches Siobhan and he's like, oh, do you want to go out with me and stuff? It's like, ah. but you know she's not going to. Mm-hmm. You, your character to the, at this point must know that she's not going to do that. Yeah. It's sort of like, which one are you? Yeah. Are you the naive one? I don't know if it's one. I don't know if it's naive or smart though. I think he just sees the world in the, in those first two examples you gave in in just black and white. Hmm. Um, you know, he calls it as he sees it. You're being stupid, and and um, you know, it's devastating to him watching it this time. <clears throat> I didn't realize how devastating it was to Porig, um when uh, sorry to, to to Dominic when Porig changes. As far as he's well, concerned. Well, yeah, and also, Dom, I get what you're saying, because to say that to Siobhan is a bit like, what do you think is going to happen? But he's just said to Porik, you need to stand up for yourself. And then he does, he kind of does the same thing, doesn't he? He's like, he says how he feels mm. to her. So he's kind of taking his own advice, mm. even though it's a bit misguided. But but in terms of that that, that, that phrase, paddy whackery, it's, it, I guess McDonough's trying to have fun with some of these cliches. I think that the rainbow there is is setting things up. Yeah, as yeah. This, is, this is a comedy. I'm going to sort of... Um, undermine some of them. I'm gonna. Um, I'm creating a. I'm not. This isn't documentary. This is fable. This is myth making. This is legend that I'm. I'm putting in from a hundred years ago. That I'm. And I'm. I'm. I'm writing about an imagined island rather than the real island. So, no, it's interesting, and it did make me sort of question a lot of the film this second time around this third time around and the father ted comparison could be because two of the people in the pub are actual actors from series one of father ted <laughs> is that right yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh yeah I, I guess i mean this article does go on it, it's quite interesting i think like there's he's drawing comparisons the writer between the criticisms that were leveled at mcdonough for three billboards outside ebbing missouri yeah and how that's basically it was uh, uh, some critics said it was a clumsy exploitation of America's complex racial sensitivities. Okay, talking about Sam Rockwell's character in that, and he goes on to say that you know it, a lot of international critics have failed to take issue with its deployment of the hoariest Irish stereotypes, which and maybe it's just because I'm Irish seem to me even broader than the vacuum-packed <clears throat> Americana of Three Billboards. Okay, nevertheless, it got a ten-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival, and not to take anything away from the film but I think pretty much every film gets a standing ovation at Venice <laughs> that's all I read about after Venice like Brendan Fraser got a standing ovation <laughs> this movie got a standing it ovation it got a standing ovation at my festival and not every film gets a standing ovation there I didn't realise you had a festival Chris tell us no. about it Fantastic Fest is the one I was at okay um, and that did not uh, they do not give standing ovations very often. And it got a standing ovation. It did, yeah, 100%. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, we touched on this on Monday. Up for nine Oscars, Best Picture, McDonough for Director and Screenplay, Farrell for Best Actor, Kerry Condon for Best Supporting Actress, and Gleeson and Barry Keoghan for Supporting Actor, among 
other nominations. One outstanding British film at the BAFTAs recently, along with original screenplay. And uh, Kerry Condon and Barry Keoghan won for their respective categories. That's right. Great stuff. Any more for any more? No. All right, let's talk about this. So we open on Colin Farrell. You mentioned the rainbow. Oh, let's talk about this performance. There's a little smile he gives to someone as he's walking through the village. And in that moment, you get the character. It takes about all the five seconds to go, I get this character. Yeah, he's so good. He's unbelievable mm. in this movie. Just unbelievable. I mean, as I was saying on Monday, he's just—he's been doing his best work these last few years. I mean, like you look at—you uh, look at the the Batman. He's the only good thing in that massively overrated film. It's overrated, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? We're allowed to say that now. No, no, we should do it. Bloody hell! I missed a whole chunk of it. So I had to go and get another drink. Cause I was so <laughs> no, no, you just—you miss someone walking in slow motion out some fire. <laughs> That's all you missed. I really... I've got some grunge. (laughs) (laughs) We're not here to talk about the Batman. That is another episode. I know. I'm just... The reason it's fresh in my mind is because I watched Banshees. I was like, I'm going to give the Batman another go. I think maybe I was in the wrong mood. (laughs) Fucking hell. I watched because everyone's like, oh, you know, the Barry Keegan stuff about, oh, this deleted scene as the joke. And I was like, I love stuff like that. Fine, fuck it. I'll watch that. And obviously he's amazing, but it's like... Why is this so long? (laughs) The Batman's like, why is he looking for me? And he's like, joke, laugh, whatever. It's like, it goes on forever. And you're only trying to get to the reveal of like, oh, look, his face is all mashed up, right? Let's get out of this scene. Very frustrating, although he was excellent as the Joker. Uh, Yeah, right. But back to this. Oh, did anyone watch the Northwater, that BBC series about the whaling ship that they sink in the ice? Stephen Graham's in it, Jack O'Connell. No. Colin Farrell. Magnificent, and that is still on BBC iPlayer. I like that. I would suggest it. Uh, that's Northwater. You're going to uh, go through everything Colin Farrell's done lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we're straight into this. Um, Colm uh, breaks the routine and doesn't go to the pub <laughs> with Porig at yeah. two o'clock. It's amazing, isn't it? This is the film. I mean, yeah. this is all the film is. Mm. And yet, over two hours, you get so much out of it. It's amazing. But this, this conversation is all that happens. Mm. And it's two minutes in. I know this might seem. I might have uh, explained this to me as a writer. V. Go on, a writer. <clears throat> um, aren't we told like scripts sort of should set up the world before it changes? Like in scripts, that's a, that's a that's a that's a common sort of a yeah. suggestion that the first ten pages at least are, are sort of setting up the world, and then around page twelve, yeah, the world changes. Yeah, this changes on page two, and we're yeah. never actually introduced to the world before. It's hard because when Porrick's in the bar and Colm's not with him, and the barman says, "But he's always with you," and you think, "Oh, okay," I, 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 I but it's good because it's a tease because you're like because you were obviously like best buds, mm. but you never see them be best buds because you meet them when their when their relationship is fractured. You see Colm. I'm like laughing and joking with his musician friends and later on with the police officer I've forgotten his name and then you get a sense of how warm he is because when he's in front of Porrick this whole time he's just he's cold and he doesn't want anything to do with him so I, I was a bit like oh I missed that I miss I'd wish like seen them hanging out and like having a laugh or whatever it was when they were just doing what's it called normal chat or standard chatting or whatever they call it later but then it kind of worked as like a tease because it's like I wonder if you are going to come back together and I will get to see you be you know nice to each other mm. So I don't know. 
Well, uh, nevertheless, uh, he goes home to his sister, does Porrick, and Siobhan says, have you been rowing? Now, <laughs> I honestly don't know if it's the language of the time, uh, and it just means the same as have you been arguing. Yeah. But to me, rowing immediately sounds like a married couple. Like, it, it, like rowing, have you been rowing? It sounds like they've been... Oh. It, it gives them a closeness, like they're... It's always like, oh, it's their thing. They have these little rows. Do you know what I mean? I As do opposed know what to you mean. Yeah, have you been ar- have yeah. you been arguing is different to have you been rowing? Yeah, you're right. I never thought of it. Are you rowing? I didn't think we were rowing. Well you are rowing. Well you are rowing. He's sitting outside in his own like a watchman call. That does look like we're rowing. Uh, four minutes in, <laughs> Siobhan says maybe just don't like you anymore. Mm. Four minutes in we get the theme of the movie stated. <laughs> um so Pori goes to the pub alone. Uh, that pub, interestingly, built for the movie. If you ever wanted to go there for a pint of Guinness, doesn't exist. <laughs> okay. uh, Colin Farrell uh, said he took his his, uh, his kid to, to see the pub after filming, and it was about <laughs> a week later it had already gone. Oh, Pretty much no. everything was filmed because they wanted to get the right... A, they wanted to be able to open the rooms up to shoot from any angle, but they wanted to get the right angles of the windows to get the perfect view. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Again, it's fairy tale almost, isn't yeah. it? Uh, we get the repetition. Uh, the barkeeper, have you been rowing? Uh, which is lovely. We see Officer Kearney, Peter, uh, 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 never says hello. So we, we pretty much meet all the characters in the first 10 minutes, which is great. Uh, Porrig goes back to Colm's house. We see it's decorated with art that he's clearly collected yeah. Yeah. from it, around the world. Yeah, so this isn't, you know, he, he, cares, he does care about culture. There's beautiful yeah. music playing in there. He's got puppets and masks and the like. So he really does take an interest in that, in that, in the artistic world. Yeah, but what's great is you immediately get to see the difference between them because he clearly thinks a mask is art and hangs it up. <laughs> Pori goes, a mask is for something wearing on your face <laughs> and tries to put his eyes through it. Yeah. It's a brilliant way of showing the difference between them. <laughs> So, they meet in the bar. Colm sits somewhere else. Mm. I best go talk to him. Uh, 8.12, 8 minutes, 12 seconds. I just don't like you no more. Oh, and his face, the face acting is off the fucking scale. (laughs) It's the bit where he goes... You you do oh, like God. me. You do oh, like God. me. Wow. Yeah, it, well, it's just unbelievable. Colin Farrell's very good, as I said on on Monday, at looking confused. You know, <laughs> yeah. his his eyebrows do a lot. You know, he's got the most famous eyebrows maybe in Hollywood, and they they're so expressive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when when uh, Parekh walks into the pub, Colm's got his back to the door and he's smiling. But as soon as he senses him, he doesn't even see him. His face just turns to thunder. So yeah. it's almost supernatural the way he just his him being in his presence um, is bringing him down. It just made me so excited because it's like, like you say, it's eight minutes in. And I was like, oh, we're going to watch a breakup film. And that's brilliant. But then I, it, I'll come back to it later. But it, once it starts to become more obviously an allegory, I was like, oh, that's a shame for me personally. But... Um, a breakup film about friends breaking up, just two friends breaking up without like any other myth, legend, allegory, anything like that. What a brilliant idea mm. for a film because you can't really, can you really break up with your friends? It's hard to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And there are no rules really around it. Whereas when you're breaking up with someone that you're in a romantic or sexual relationship with, it's really brutal if you break up with them. But it's all very codified and, and it's also, unless they're going to break the law, it's done, isn't it? Like you do it and then it's done. But with friends, like it was, I was like, what a brilliant idea to explore all of that. Like how you extricate yourself from something you don't want to be part of. Mm. Amazing. He, he was going through a romantic breakup when he was writing this. Who? Martin McDonough was. Mm. Oh. And he wanted to write the saddest breakup film he could. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, there is obviously this uh, this metaphor 
for the uh, civil war that is going on on the mainland. You hear some gunfire, some cannon fire. Um, some critics have said it's a bit clumsy trying to compare the intricacies of that civil war with the two friends falling out of friendship. I think it detracts from the emotional through line. Yeah, and, and I it's think... It's pretty on the nose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a bit when Colin Farrell, short, shortly after this, hears it and goes, good luck to you, whatever, whatever it is you're fighting about. <laughs> well, exactly. Im- implying that, you know, no one really understood and it was confusing. You ask the people at the time who were fighting that war, they're not going to tell you it's confusing and we don't know what we're fighting about and it's all a bit silly. Yeah. I mean, this was life and death for them. But I think, I think where it does ring true... Is is it's about two parties who, until very recently, were on the same side. They wanted side. the same thing, yeah. yeah. And and it, and it quickly became brother, literally fighting brother. Yeah. And, and which is what's happening with these two characters. But I think, yeah, I do think it's a bit off. Um, to, to, it's it's just a bit to, to, to simplify. Yes, that war. That's the word. Um, is is bad news? I think. Uh, we meet Mrs. McCormick, the Banshee of Inishirin. My personal hero. <laughs> if I end up like that, I've done well for myself. She's got a little cottage, a pipe, happy. Yeah. Just doling out advice that no one wants. Standing on cliffs, looking <laughs> ominous. Yeah, what a brilliant role to carve yeah. yourself in later life. If we see you on the roof of the famous cock <laughs> looking down on us, we'll be sure to know Two death. Two of you will die. Death is around the corner. <laughs> what I like about her character is, uh, yeah, she, she, she might be the banshee she might be a banshee but also she knows the effect she has on people and i think she enjoys <laughs> yeah, it she's, definitely. she's messing with everyone's heads really because yeah, she's the crone isn't she and the crone is like i was reading this interesting thing about you know so i'm really interesting like maiden mother crone and these three very codified again stages of womanhood but there was a lot of power in croneness as well because once you were a crone once you were free of all like of menstruation of child ruin of all of that you could really come into a different sort of power because you don't have any of those responsibilities anymore and there were groups of older women crones who you'd think would be like banished from the village and were useless and whatever like witches but actually they were having an amazing time because they were just all together just supporting each other and on fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah levitating <laughs> and eating babies yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm Is just, that upset you? I'm thinking about... Is it because I said menstruation? Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's what Lewisham's going to be like when you hit crone status. <laughs> Watch out for your babies. <laughs> if I get to crone status, I'll be delighted. <laughs> crone status. <laughs> Bad name. <laughs> Called it. Uh, right, so, um, Colm. Is at the pub. Uh, Siobhan sends Porridge to the pub, goes, get to the pub, get out of here. And Colm is there and he's having an impromptu music session. And Porridge didn't know and Porridge would normally have known if Colm yeah. was going to be playing music. And it's heartbreaking. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Uh, I, I like Dominic here because he doesn't like maudlin songs, which is my life. I won't <laughs> listen to slow music. I just don't understand why people listen to sad songs. Everything fast, everything happy, everything big. That's it. That's it. So I'm with Dominic there. Uh, Porrig and Dominic go to steal some poutine uh, from his policeman dad, Peter. Uh, ever had poutine, V? No, I haven't. Okay. It's a gap in my <laughs> of, in of, my education. Of the three of us, I'd come to you first. <laughs> no, I've I, not yet had the pleasure. Irish moonshine. Yeah, 40% yeah. to 90% proof. It's to all, 90, it's Jesus. Also pronounced pochine. Um, it's called that because it's distilled in a small pot. Yes. Uh, my favourite description on Wikipedia, uh, flavour... 
burning. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> uh, we see <clears throat> naked Pedar, which is a horrible image and will never leave me. Horrible. Uh, made even worse. Daddy will kill us if he, we wake him when he's been wanking. <laughs> Awful. There's a rag on the floor oh, next Jesus. to the chair. Dominic says the tiny brown cock on him. <laughs> this is horrific writing. Uh, bear in mind, I, I saw this on a giant cinema screen and I was sitting quite near the front. <laughs> it's as big as my arm. Oh, uh, Porrig asks Dominic, won't you get into trouble for stealing the Pachin? Uh, Dominic says, I will, but fuck it. <laughs> Which I give, you get this this almost fatalistic attitude that he already has at this stage, which I think leans into what happens to him later in the film. This idea that yeah, if but- he's like, fuck it, I no longer care what he can do to me because I'm already sort of, I've checked out. I agree with that. And I also think it's like, I'm going to get a beating anyway, so I might as well have the booze because his daddy's going to beat him no matter what. So, yeah, he might as well get something out of it. Mm. Uh, Dominic says to Porig, it looked like there was a weight lifted from the shoulders of Colm tonight. It's a bit on the nose. Yeah, but it's supposed it. to be, isn't it? This is the trouble. Like, when That's because it... Dominic's saying it. He does not have no filter. Yeah. yeah. And the stuff that was cut out, there was, there was a much longer cut of this originally, and Colm, I, I think it had, it had been a suicide attempt. It's alluded to here, but he's suicidal. And so I feel like th- this is what we're seeing. There Dominic is. A, is. Uh, uh, no, uh, no calm. Because you remember the priest is like, how's the despair? Exactly, it has despair yeah, and depression. Yeah, Everyone's I talking see. about his despair and depression. He cut out the literal um, explanation that he has tried to kill himself. But that sort of has been, has been hanging over him. And so I think he's playing that it's sort of... It's lifted now. Yeah. Uh, when Porrig gets home, we see him let Jenny in in mm. the night. I want a donkey in my house. Oh, oh. when he says, I'm not going to get my donkey outside when I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best line of anything I've ever heard. And you're like, yeah, fair enough. <sighs> oh, but then Siobhan's right because she's like, I don't want animals in the house. And then later on when it's overrun by animals, like Siobhan was right, but you've got to make an exception for Jenny. Like, yeah. It's interesting as well when uh, they were shooting this, they, he said, um, Madonna said that, you know, you have to check with animal welfare. Is it okay <clears throat> put these animals in here they yeah. said it was fine and he said you, j- you just let them roam and <laughs> film around them and see what happens and great stuff happens frustrating stuff happens but he, he says he much prefers um, working with animals than actors yeah, he said he just loves having them around. He doesn't know why people get upset about them. He said it's great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jenny the donkey uh, has retired since this film and uh, now lives on a donkey commune in Ireland with other donkeys. Lovely. Mm. No, they killed her for real. <laughs> She's gone. Yeah. No, She's gone. Don't even joke. That's not that's, even funny. That's her who no, got buried. No, no, no. Although she did famously kick Colin Farrell. He got. He was walking past her at apparently the wrong time. She what just, a little yeah. prima donna. No, he, McDonough did say that, that uh, in this interview. I heard that if Colin was. The only one who wasn't in love with Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently, Je- Jenny kicked him. Uh, the dog that Colm owns bit him. Really? And a horse, when he was riding the cart, tried to reverse him off a cliff. Animals, <laughs> animals know. Animals know about Colin's dark side. <laughs> anyway, we get this uh, this first curveball. He sees that it was April the first yesterday. Oh God! On his calendar, and mm. even his little face. His little April Fool's joke. And Colm, Colm doesn't even know that he's like what? Like oh, he's not. Oh, it's heartbreaking uh, why do I love the line uh, where he says you don't usually bring the cows this way <laughs> and Porrig goes I but the little fella took a fright to a hen on the corner <laughs> detail that sounds good yeah. uh, so what, what you know I'm already I'm, I'm, I'm with Porrig but also why you keep pushing and pushing being with someone who doesn't want to be with you it's that thing when someone dumps you mm. 
man, just keep going back for more. He's just a glutton for punishment here, isn't he? But I guess he knows exactly who else is on the island and the only person he ever wants to be friends with and he's never leaving Inner Sherin is Colm. So he's going to power through this until Colm rescinds and goes, <laughs> OK, yeah. we'll be friends again. Yeah. Because he's got no other options. Uh, Porig and Siobhan have a conversation about loneliness, uh, something she is clearly feeling. Yeah, and so this is another thing that was cut out of the film, so we can't use it as as reasoning, but I think it does inform their performances. So there there was a scene in that longer version where brother and sister visit their parents' grave and you see that the parents died on the same day mm. and so they killed themselves. Oh, God. And so it's sort of, again, the spectre of suicide is hanging over this family. Yikes. Um yeah, dark stuff. And so I think that, you know, when you know that, although you shouldn't because it's not in the film, it does feed into Siobhan's decisions here. Mm. She's feeling sad. She's feeling lonely. She, she needs to get off this island. This island's having a bad effect on, on people. Yeah, McDonough says uh, she starts out as the sisterly voice of reason. If you go down that road with her intelligence, her empathy and her anger, by the end you feel that she's either going to commit suicide or she has to leave the yeah, place. She says it's, it's mad and it's driving me mad. So <laughs> so oh, she's, such a, she's such a great character. So we're back at uh, the pub. JJ Devines, uh, Colm and Colin are at it again. Colm, have you nothing better to do with your feckin' time? Um I find Colm a bit pompous. This is where we discover that he believes Porig is preventing him from being great, creating his legacy, in this case with a piece of music. Mm. He plays what he's written since he stopped seeing Porig. Uh, Fun fact, Brendan Gleeson wrote that piece of music. Mm. Yeah, he asked Martin McDonough if he could write it, and Madonna said, we've got got a pretty good guy doing our music. (laughs) But um, he let him give it a go, and he liked it, and so it's in the movie, which... It's lovely, I think. It's an amazing theme, this, and it's not at all dissimilar to what we were discussing only a few weeks ago with Miles Teller it's dumping exactly. his girlfriend yeah. in Whiplash. It's this exactly idea, the same. and uh, I knew this was coming. I'm like, we're going to do this same episode two or three times now. Yeah. What? What? What's? Ha- what's more important, happiness or greatness? Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the thing. You, he. It's. It's not that Colin wants to be great in his lifetime. He probably does want that, but he wants to be remembered after he's dead. And it's mm. like you're an idiot because you're still dead. You'll just be dead. So be happy now. If if you're not happy with Porik as your friend, then fine. But if you're sacrificing something, which I actually don't think he is, but just as like a general point, if you're sacrificing something in order to achieve a legacy that you will still be dead and you will never know, that's foolish because you're giving up happiness now. And just to reiterate, you will be dead. But to, some, no people, will, like, but to some people, that will be more important. And I think that's how Miles Teller's character is seeing the world. But you can't experience it. You're dead. So it makes no sense to me to aim for something beyond the point at which you it will It doesn't to be... you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> different people can think different things. But Miles Teller really wants to be great in, and, and fated and celebrated alive. Mm-hmm. And Colm's got yeah. one eye on the 200 years. He's like, in 200 years' time, people might play this song like they did Mozart or whatever. But you'll be dead. You won't know. I do. I understand. <laughs> No, Miles Teller's argument more in Whiplash. Yeah. The idea of the idea of being recognised while you're alive sure, for doing yeah. something great is much more but you're right. seductive. It's than... a very weird thing to yeah. go. It's oh, the it's only care. reason I'm doing this podcast. Like you said, this <laughs> this will outlive us all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it will. <laughs> the, the millions of listeners. Uh, we've got once, millions. Once you start on the Pacine, it will. <laughs> <laughs> there's a thought. Yeah. The uh, drinks that we haven't had from the films we've done. There's there's a segment. In the early scenes, McDonough says that that Colm isn't saying much because he feels like it's it's 
kinder to not go into detail, but with Poré keep pushing and pushing it, Mm. He's he's having to explain himself, and he so he becomes crueler this, as the film goes on. But it, 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 the brilliant thing about this line that you used at the start on me <laughs> is where Colm goes, I was too harsh yesterday, but I want to do great things with my time rather than chats with a limited man. <laughs> to go, I was too harsh yesterday, and then call him a limited man. Brilliant. Yeah. So, Siobhan uh, steps in. You can't just stop being friends with someone. It isn't nice. It's not nice. I get that. I get that. And uh, Colm says, I, I don't have a place for dullness in my life anymore. I want but then when you say he's, he's being pompous, because the despair is hinted at, but you, I, I don't think you should show he's like, trying to take his own life, but you are like, well, you've <laughs> obviously travelled and you've seen the world and you are reaching for something more. And if this island, represented by your friend, is bringing you down, then you you should leave mm. like it's a bit much to want to stay and disrupt everything to to aim for this thing that you want this sort of very selfishly that you've upset your friend and it's just not nice i agree i think he and, and we're going to get to this when we get to the fingers but you know you have to ask is does he mean everything he's saying uh, I, he's projecting all of his misery onto another person yeah and then his solution is such an act of self-destruction that will make it impossible for him to do what he wants to do when he could just cut off toes yeah it's like what what is what is his actual end game in that moment yeah it's i don't know i think he's a bit of a contradiction Colm. i thought he was completely mad like that's sure. the thing like, sure. i thought the island had driven him mad the one line which i think is so fascinating where he goes i, I sometimes think i'm just doing all this to entertain myself yeah yeah and 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 he, and he says he's gone numb he doesn't he doesn't feel the pain in his fingers like he i think you know he's 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 lost it completely and so i think there's so many different ways of reading what Colm is up to and what he's going through but i think that's a very valid one is that is that he's just He's just lost his mind. And, and, and therefore he doesn't feel pain because he's not reacting to the fact that there's, there's blood dripping out of his, his missing fingers yeah. of the stubs. But also because he's quite a pompous guy, he probably thinks as he's walking down on that road with the coat billowing out behind him in the wind he's with blood legend, yeah. dripping from his fingers, he probably thinks he looks fucking cool. Like an, <laughs> that's what an artist would look like. I am cool! Uh, you've got. Let's uh, let's establish just how good Kerry Condon is in this. She doesn't have obviously as much to do as Farrell or Gleason, but the bit where they're disgusting, they're disgusting Porrig's dimness, and he's yeah. worried that he's dim. And he says as she stands up from the table, "I'm as smart as you, that's for sure." And under her she goes, "Don't be fucking stupid." Yeah. <laughs> and he just sort of half hears her and goes, "Huh?" Eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. just beautiful. <laughs> uh, so. Things escalate. As Chris just said, uh, he's going to cut off his fiddle fingers if Porrig doesn't leave him alone. Uh, Porrig... <laughs> Colm says he's got, he's got no other option. Porrig says, you've got loads of options <laughs> left open to you. How is fingers the first port of call? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's very funny. Uh, it's great. Uh, and uh, the people in the bar are like, uh, you're more one of life's good guys to Porrig. Um, uh, Porrig, no means no, Porrig. Yeah. Yeah, but then when that's what's so interesting about it, if it was just about friends, because all those lines and boundaries are less. I don't know. I don't know what's the thing. Like we talk about it less, don't we? Like if a boyfriend won't leave you alone, big problem. Everybody recognises it as a big problem. But if a friend didn't, wouldn't everybody else go? Well, I kind of get it. Like I don't know. Wouldn't it be harder to? 
I don't know. Like, I don't know. Legally, it might be harder to like do something about it. But I, I was literally having this conversation with someone recently. So they, it, it, I mean, obviously, it's called ghosting now. But they had a friend, and they never explained mm-hmm. why this friend never explained why they did not want to be friends with her anymore. They just literally one day stopped answering messages. Yeah, and never called them, and never responded to questions going. But why? But why? And that was it for them. They yeah. they were capable of just going. That is it. Yeah. And obviously, hard, that, we, we live in London. We don't live on a tiny island where you're going to see that person again. So that's just that. And it's been six months and no explanation, no nothing, no contact. And it's healthy to accept that you're not, not everyone. You know, it's normal. Not this isn't me. Gonna, when I said a friend, by the way. Oh, yeah, ask you for <laughs> a friend. Not, yeah. not everyone's going to like you. And part of being a grown-up is just being all right with that. Trying to do your best, trying not to upset people. But you can't be liked by everybody. Like, that's not possible because you don't like everybody. So you know it must go the other way. Although it's hard to accept. You just think everybody loves you and you, you get to pick to and choose. why. I think that's that. That's the question that would keep me awake. It's like, but why? <laughs> I personally, I wouldn't because I don't want to hear it because <laughs> they will upset me. Uh, all right. Uh, on that note, while we just uh, uh, engage in some minor therapy, uh, here's a quick break. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, we meet Mrs. O'Reardon now. She wants news. That's not news. Um, the cop paid her. Uh, we get some foreshadowing here. He talks about how someone who's 29 years old walked into a lake and died, uh, which is obviously uh, how Dominic is going to meet his end. Later, um, Porig uh, reveals to Mrs. O'Reardon that Peter, uh, I always struggle with his name, Peter uh, fiddles with the kid. And she's, that's not news yeah. to her. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing to do in this film. I get it. Mm. Like, 
the sort of... So she's saying that's not news because she doesn't actually want to engage on that level. Is that all? Or is it... This is where I get to... Which part of the characters reacting and pushing forward the story is part of their character and which part of it is part of an allegory about a history of abuse? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I struggled with that a little bit because it's like, does she think that's not news or does historically some people on the island of Ireland think it's not news? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that's a huge topic. It is a huge topic. Yeah. So... Obviously, Pader uh, hits Porig, uh, which Colm sees and then helps him onto his wagon. Yeah. And I, I didn't quite understand this. Do you, there's a line here where Peter, the cop, says to Colm, will I see you at John Joe's for that pint you owe me? Mm-hmm. And Colm says, I owe you no pint, and doesn't even finish his sentence. And he goes, ah, oh, you will. He starts saying no and then says, yes, you will. It's weird. Like there is, I'm sure there's something in that line which explains something that I don't understand. Almost like, even though Com doesn't like the cop, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, the cop's all powerful. I think that you can read that. That's why that's happened, and that's why the the woman says it's not news because she doesn't want to. What Alex said, she doesn't want to deal with this cop because he he controls the whole island. Yeah, and he and he's and he's all powerful. I think he's called Kearney. Yeah, he's but his first name's Peter. But I feel like you you what you don't I, want to keep saying that. So why don't you say Kearney? Kearney's great. Kearney. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to say Kearney once, and we're going to replace all the P's. <laughs> no, we're not. No, Kearney. Definitely not doing that. Nick. <laughs> Can't do it if you're talking Kearney. No, <laughs> no, Blair. Yeah. Oh, no, look at my watch. Just, oh, what's the time? Oh, it's all just, over the place. Just need one clean Kearney. Kearney, great, lovely. <laughs> no, uh, you're coughing on that one. Kearney. <laughs> Children, right. Uh, so, oh, Porrig starts crying because his mate is taking him home yeah. and just gets out of the way. Oh, my God, that is devastating, that scene. Yeah, There's awful. so many moments in this film that make me cry, but, yeah, he, he knows he's, he's, he's getting off and he's leaving him, and it's like, oh. But we see the humanity in Colm. He still loves his friend. Yeah. He just doesn't want to be around him. Mm. Uh, now we get to what Jeopardy might be the best scene in the film, in my opinion, which is the confrontation in the bar, mm. in the pub, where Porrig gets drunk and mm. has had enough and goes to talk mm. to Colm about it. Um, Tubby Guts. It's... <laughs> he said, he, I heard McDonough say this was the hardest scene to shoot. He didn't say why, but I guess there's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, it could easily, I could easily go wrong, couldn't it? It's because it's, it's funny and it's sad at the same time. It's the whole idea Porrig saying what 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 lasts more than niceness and don't say music music <laughs> and the bit where Colm says everyone to a man knows Mozart's name and Porrig goes well I don't so there goes that theory. <laughs> it's maybe my favourite line in the whole film. Uh, and obviously he's like you'd rather be friends with this guy who mm. beats his son when he's not fiddling with him. The whole scene is fantastic. Mm. And then Siobhan gets the button on the end. Of she does. <laughs> it's the 18th century, not the 17th <laughs> yeah. century. Yeah. Well, Com, even Com's saying that's the most interesting he's ever been. I think I like him now. Yeah. Because they've got common ground, which is that they're not right for each other sort of thing. I th- that's fascinating. Mm. Uh, but also, it's, it's just, I guess it's probably showing some spirit. I feel like he's yeah. quite, he, he's someone who in life is just so laid back it's and along, it, it's, yeah. it's getting on Colm's nerves. Yeah. I, I hate it when Alex does that. Yeah, man. You're just, you're just too laid back. Just too chill about everything, man. <laughs> too chill. Uh, so, uh, we get to the first finger. Colm's chopped off his finger. He throws it. We hear a bang at the door. <laughs> Siobhan goes, what was that? And probably goes, Hard to lie. 
<laughs> it was a finger. <laughs> and she says to throw it out. He's going, I'm not throwing it out. I'll get dirt on it. Because <laughs> it's his friend's finger. Mm. It's still his friend's finger. <laughs> And like you said, this whole idea of what is his plan? What is his game? He's now trying to play the fiddle with one less finger and seeing whether he can still play the music that he's composed as well as he could. Yeah, yeah but I- then is that the, the allegory taking over where the stubbornness of him is like, this is fine. He seems quite happy. It gets much worse. And he even says it's a relief, actually, when he's got no fingers, which makes absolutely no sense. But he's playing with one with a very important finger missing, and he's like, yeah, great, I can still do this, which but, is ludicrous. But as you said, leave the island is the solution, because we've all, we see him getting culture and being happy with that student from yeah. the mainland. Yeah. So why doesn't, why doesn't he just go? So, so it, makes, it makes you think that there's something more to this. It isn't about what he's saying it's about. Although Gleason, you know, I've, I found a quote from him saying uh, in, in his performance, I think my rationale was that Colm had made a commitment to risk everything in order to facilitate this space that he felt he needed to create properly. So he's seeing it on that very straightforward level. This is this is all what we're seeing is what is happening. But yeah, and also he'll get to blame Porrick though because if he cuts off all his fingers and he then can't play a note, which he obviously can't play a note, and he can't compose and he can't do anything, he gets to say, well, I, I tried, I, I laid out my terms and conditions and you fucked it up because you wouldn't listen to me and now I can't do anything and that's not on me, that's on you. And that's what he's been with the whole film. He's projected everything he feels, every bit of misery, every bit of his talent that is not working out onto Porrig. Yeah. So watching it this third time I think I've seen it it was like oh and I'm seeing it from that point of view now and this is it's just pure acts of cruelty yeah um, against his friend well Siobhan even thinks uh, Porig might need to leave Colm alone now he cut his feckin finger off and thrown it at you come on it wasn't at me <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, Porig decides to leave Colm alone and um, as you said we see Colm drinking and laughing with the students. Uh, so Porig takes it upon himself to see off that student in what is a funny but by far the broadest joke in the mm. movie. I didn't like it. Which is because it feels like it belongs in Father Ted. Yes. I mean, honestly, only because you used that yeah, example yeah, earlier, yeah. but it's just the idea. It's all fine with the bread face. It's all going really well. And when he's like, that's what killed my mum, or whichever uh, way around it, it's just like, oh, I don't know about uh, that. If it's the same feckin' bread van, I'll kill them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's a funny joke. It really made me laugh. Did it? It's a, <laughs> sorry. It's a funny joke. It's, it's too broad for me. It's, it's at odds with this, every other joke yeah. in this. And a lot, so much of the humour in this relies on like the loopiness of the language, and it's super dark as well. And this is like, All right. you know, okay. change my favourite no, scene. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's really funny, but it I just. I, I know. I see where you're coming from. Uh, Mrs. McCormick says two deaths are going to come to Inner Sharon. Mm, we'll come back to that. Uh, Dominic, uh, Dominic and Porrig have a chat and Dominic sort of implants this idea in Porrig's head of maybe tough love is the answer with Colm. Uh, but he also finds out what Porrig did to the music student and he says, I used to think you were the nicest of them, but now you're just like yeah. the rest. Watching it this time, I, I, did, I hadn't clocked the first time I watched it how, how much this moment breaks him. I it's, don't think it does. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's, I've read so much that's like that's why he throws himself in the lake because I like, bullshit he threw himself in the lake because his dad was a nightmare I don't I think I think he's not happy about Porrick being nasty but I don't think it pushes him over the edge I think yeah I think no I, I think I think it's 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 a contributing factor I think I think the the, the two literal deaths a collateral damage in some respects from this this war between these two men who end up surviving the film but the two innocents that are watching it from the sidelines and are affected from it mentally and physically um, are the ones that end up dying, which mm-hmm. I think is um, a dark a dark end to the tale, if, if you see it from that point of view. 
Well, we talked about uh, Barry Kilgan's character at the start. When, you know, understanding his character, but whether you understand it or not, this his performance in the scene where he asks out Siobhan is oh, just, just good, yeah. it's exquisite. Yeah, I was... No, I was, I was thinking no as well. Yeah. I was really sad that it, it, became, it went so viral on Twitter because it's up to 7 million views now on Twitter, that clip, and it's just so many people seeing that out of context. And I think it's a, it's an important scene to see as part of this movie. It's a strange scene out of context. You can see it's good what's going on, but I just uh, it makes me miserable that people would, would would first be exposed to that moment in this wonderful film on a Twitter clip. I think it's good that she doesn't lie because you could write it that way where she spares his feelings and that's not true to her and she still comes across as sympathetic. It's really difficult. Like, you know, you can read... As someone, a, a bad writer, could be like, what a cruel woman to not... You know, why not just lie to him? What hmm. difference does it make to you? You know, it's fine. You know, it's it's never going to happen anyway. Why don't you just give him some comfort and just go, well, maybe, you know, we'll see, won't we, when you're all grown yeah. up and whatever. But she tells him the truth because he deserves the truth and that's the sort of person she is. And you still think she's amazing at the end, even though it's okay. quite easy to judge women for no, stuff like that. I'm totally on her side, but at the same time in his mind that extinguishes all hope he's he's being abused at home he's very unhappy he sees hope in maybe his friendship with Poreg or a relationship with her and they've both been extinguished in the space of a day Mm. and 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 that's it for him there goes that dream (laughs) i like the uh the the moment where we see next uh calm dancing with his dog because we've seen Porig and his love for jenny but we've never seen like the relationship between calm and this dog and dancing with the dog and then Porig goes in and slags him off he's standing up for himself some tough love it's so brilliant (laughs) He says, when Carl says, have you gone mental? And he says, no, because I've got ten fingers. <laughs> that, that is just so brilliant. Like, you'd write the whole thing just to be able to do that. I know, but it's such a sad scene because at the start you can see in Colm that he's like, actually, maybe this, I think you can see a moment where he's like, this could work again. Yeah, I know. If this is you now, if you're not going to be like this sort of naive, pushover, yep. like limited man, and yep. you're actually going to, you know, bring some fire to this relationship, this could work. Mm. And then the minute Porig sees Colm sort of like that uh, that friendship blossoming yeah. in Colm's eyes again he, he becomes back. nice yeah. and Colm's like and cuts off the rest of his fucking fingers it's, not, it's also because he becomes nice but he re- he does the reveal about Declan about the bread van man so he's like oh I didn't have to get rid of him and then that makes him furious because it's like you've been messing with my stuff but see I, I don't I think if you think about every time that Colm has found Porig interesting, I think he'd really find that interesting. I know the way it's written yeah. in the scene, it's meant to be like, oh, you've 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 been lured in because Colm seems nice now and you've told him something. Isn't this a funny story? And that's been the thing that's made him chop his fingers off. Yeah. But to me, that is the kind of thing Colm would go like, that's an interesting thing for Porig yeah. to do because it's direct, it's forceful. It's also a really weird moment where he says, oh, how's the song going? And Colm's like, yeah, it's good. Um, I keep thinking I'll play it at your funeral. And it's like, so does that, that's, that's again, is that tying into the allegory? It's like, so you're going to win this thing because you will be at his funeral. That seems a bit of a big swing, maybe. Mm. I like the, uh, I don't think there are any banshees on inner sharing. I just like the double sound. (laughs) Uh, So, um, we find out that Siobhan's leaving for the mainland. Uh, Porrig's like, I'll have no friends left. And who's going to do the cooking? <laughs> and then uh, she says, my books won't fit. Will you look after them for me? They're all I have apart from the obvious. And then he's like, you'll be back soon, won't you? And just the way she says, oh, Porrig. Oh, <laughs> it breaks me. Twice. And then she leaves. And we see Mrs McCormick standing on the cliff. Sign of the first death. And 
then we get the first death. And it's one of the most harrowing scenes I've had to watch in recent memory. I couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, I, just, I still can't quite believe it. And oh God, when he says, oh Jenny, <laughs> I can't do it because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start wailing. Yeah. Oh, Jenny, and it's the, it's, I, I, no wonder Martin McDonough likes uh, working with animals because the way the horse nudges the donkey's dead body with its snout as if to say, wake up, it's like, how did you capture that? Did that <laughs> horse do that organically or did you, Martin <laughs> did McDonough, you find a way to make a horse nudge a dead donkey with it? I was like... Well, you had, you had the dog earlier pulling the shears out of the room for, for, yeah. so Com can't do his business. Yeah. That's another sad moment. It's, um, uh, it's just... It's, well, uh, just it's, always chew your fingers properly before you swallow them. <laughs> it's, it's, there's lessons in this When film. he puts his finger in her mouth to get the other one out, it's like, this is... That's a bit much even for me. <laughs> and then we've got the horse looking through the window and he's got Jenny on his knee. And honestly, like, not to make it too real, but anyone who's ever had to have a pet put down and take the body home and sit with the dead body of Oof. your pet in your house, which I've done with my old cat, and, like, I just sat there crying for hours looking at this sort of crumpled form in a shoebox, and you're just like, it's fucking the worst thing. Oh, I'm but, sorry. I'm really movie, sorry, that's horrible. This movie captures that, though. Yeah. And, and that is, a, I think it's a part of this movie, is what I've said, is, is these, animate, these animals, are the innocents on the island, witnessing, poking their heads in, listening, and, and seeing this madness and not being able to understand it, it's um I I, I love I I think they're all there for a reason. Every every one of those interactions with those animals is is just I don't know putting a magnifying glass on the on the madness that that we're witnessing. I mean, what Porig? His sister's gone and his donkey's dead. Mm. Well, he's got he's going mad now, and, and that he, he was he was. He was shaving in a, in, in a cracked mirror at the start of the film and now he looks in that mirror and he smashes it and he's fragmented. I mean, it's a bit heavy-handed, but it's fragmented into tons of little mirrors then. Um, that psychological disintegration that's happening to him, like, he snapped. Mm. And he has, and he confronts Colm. He says, we're taking this to our graves. Well, one of our graves. Um, Colm at confession... Uh, this is possibly some of the... I know I've already said this, but, you know, it's a film full of amazing dialogue. This is some of the best dialogue in the film. The exchange between Colm and the priest. I killed a miniature donkey. Do you think God gives a damn about miniature donkeys? I think he doesn't. I think that's where it all went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good line. And then he's as if punching a policeman is a sin. We might as well all pack up and go home. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> Just well, uh, brilliant. Uh, uh, when McCormack starts trying to talk to Porig again... And and tells him not to kill the dog, and he says, "Don't put fecking things in my head that weren't there in the first place, you fecking nutbag." <laughs> <laughs> but that's great; it's calling out McCormack on what we thought. She's yeah. just a wind-up merchant. A shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Porrig burns down Colm's house. Uh, he said he wasn't even going to check if Colm's inside when he did it, but he does. Yeah, he does. I didn't stop him um, <laughs> or help him. Um, and then we get this, I mean, it's sort of like, it's almost like a double whammy for the donkey death earlier when he's writing back to Siobhan and he says that Jenny's here next to him and she's mm. nuzzling him saying, please don't go, Porrig. He's just like, mm. Do you think, because in her letter, she's like, 
Everyone seems quite nice. That's mostly because they're from Spain, which is very <laughs> Yeah, people seem less bitter and mental. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, because she, do you think she's lying as well and it's actually awful? Or not awful, but it's just not as good as she thought it was going to be. No, I don't think so. I think she's quite level-headed and she wants him with her. Yeah. I think I think she wouldn't be trying to get him to join her if she wasn't happy. Okay. I think she's a good sister. It's quite weird, though, that he, I mean, he wouldn't know that she'd had that conversation with Dominic, but he pretends Jenny's alive, but he says Dominic's dead. Yeah. Yeah. And she's probably going to think, oh my God, mm. like that was the last conversation uh, he had was where yeah. I turned him down. But as you say, he doesn't know that <coughs> she's had that no. conversation potentially. Um, I like the way he starts that letter to Siobhan though. He says, Dear Siobhan, obviously I don't know what inconst is. <laughs> uh, uh, we see um, Dominic being found in the lake, uh, being hauled out with a stick His with a hook stick, on the end, yeah. the, a hook to hook well, something a stick's length away. Yeah, so the, the, the two bits of foreshadowing for his death. Yep. Uh, we get the conversation on the beach now. We're at the end. We are at the end. Um, uh, this is Keem Bay, uh, Ireland's best beach. Uh, it was voted uh, by the Reader Travel Awards poll in 2023. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. And uh, nothing to do with the promotion for the movie, I expect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Com does apologise about the donkey. Uh, Porrick says, don't fucking care. Uh, <laughs> uh, then we hear the rifle fire has ended on the mainland and Colm says I think they're coming to the end of it and Porrick says I'm sure they'll be starting up again soon enough aren't you some things there's no moving on from and I think that's a good thing although the last line is thanks for looking after my dog anyways anytime yeah because they, there is something still between them like mm. This thing's going to drag on forever, and yet they would still, when it came down to it, do something nice for each other or something. So do you believe, Mrs McCormack, that there were two deaths on the island? And were the two deaths um, the animal and the boy? Yeah. Or were the two deaths the death of these two men? Because they've, they've broken each other in this film. They're, yeah. they're empty souls now, I think. Mm. Um or do you think she's just a bullshit artist and, uh, you know, she was saying that for attention? <laughs> I found a quote from Colin Farrell. He's, uh, he summed up uh, the journey that Porrig goes on as uh, the disintegration of joy. Um, Porrig starts the movie like he's just won the lottery. He's so happy and content and connected. By, but, the, but by the end, he's turned into someone who believes that there is a place for violence in the world and that it doesn't even need to be justified and he can't find any of the joy that he once had in his life. True. Awful. Bleak. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I feel like Dominic and Jenny went out at least with, with goodness in their hearts and their souls, whereas these two are going to go out with, I don't know, quite ugly, quite ugly people mm. inside. Um, but also, yeah, the, the question is, like, the first time I watched it, in spite of what they said to each other, I felt like they were going to move past this. Watching this time, I was I was sort of believing what they were saying, and was, Mrs McCormack watched them. It Does this just continue until one or both of them are dead? Mm. What do you think? Uh, well, I found a quote from Martin McDonough, uh, he said he didn't... I don't know how you're going to feel about this, V. Uh, he said he didn't know at the beginning of the script whether the film will have a happier ending or a sad ending. And in fact, the last scene in the movie was shot on the last day of filming and it could have gone either way. Right. 
It was only after the rest of the movie was shot and elements of the script were incorporated into the film that the story gained its own tone. It was then decided that the end would be the last scene that was shot and it should feel that there was no other way for the story to end. Okay. That's still not answering the question. I don't think I believe it. I don't think they'll get past it. No. Mm. He killed his miniature donkey. If someone killed Simon, that would be it. There's be, no way back from you'd that. Be, you'd be relieved, though. No more walkies. <laughs> no more walking the dog. Um, yeah, I guess I watched I this. Would, with, but I would never let them know I was of relieved. Not. I watched this with much more optimistic eyes. Also, where, where, where has Siobhan gone? To the mainland. To the mainland. Is that, are we talking Ireland or England? Ireland, I okay. thought. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. she only got on... Oh, do you know what? I don't know why I think that, but that is what I think. Yeah, and, and I guess if we're going back to that, just to end with that paddywhackery thing we talk about at the start, it, it is saying that island life on an Irish island is the worst thing you could possibly imagine <laughs> for everyone involved. It and drives the, you mad. And the only hope is leaving. Leave, yeah. And I, I, yeah, again, it's not it's not the most positive message. Yeah. Um, I can see where the offence comes from. So, shall we do the bits? Sure. Great. Uh, Chris, what's your best scene? Uh, there goes that dream. Because I watched it on Twitter loads of times, <laughs> out of context, and it's actually better. yeah. I just, think, I just think it's a beautiful scene that that article that that guy that negative article he, he was he was moaning about um, Barry's um, overly mannered performance, but mm. I think it's I think it's a it's beautifully acted and it's I don't know it says so much with so little and I love it. B, not the scene on the beach at the end. There's another scene on the beach when they're talking to each other and. Porrick goes to give Colm a cuddle or a hug or something and he can't quite do it. And he Colm looks at him and says, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. And then walks off. He's like, that was bloody hell. That was good. <laughs> That's just so good. So weird. And he just. That tries... was a mistake. <clears throat> was it? Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that happened naturally. They, did, they, they shot the scene where he's supposed to give him a hug and he pulls away. Yeah. And they did a version where it didn't work and it got all awkward. And yeah. that's what they end up using in the film. It was so really brilliant. Wow. Because it's, well, it's real. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So that. <laughs> uh, all right, mine is when uh, Porrig gets drunk and confronts Colm in the bar. Mm. Uh, we have... And isn't it interesting that there's this thread running through it that, oh, when Porrig's had too much to drink, he's a fucking nightmare. And then he does have too much to drink and you're waiting for him to be awful and he's actually fine. So I I thought about that for ages because I'm always like, it's weird because people say, oh, you're awful when you're drunk. And I'm like, but am I? Or is this just other people Are saying? you asking me? <laughs> no, I'm not. Don't ask me now. Oh, my God, I'm not asking you. <laughs> oh, it's Chris's birthday, not tonight. <laughs> We can't do that tonight. We're not doing that We're not tonight. doing that tonight. No. All right. Sorry, carry on. But it's it, it's fascinating. And I just want... I wonder, because he thinks he's awful yeah, when he's drunk. Yeah, he, he asks he, in the yeah, morning. He even says, yeah. To, and, Sha- and Siobhan goes, you weren't. You were, you were nice. You were lovely, yeah. And it's sort of that thing. Everything is subjective. So certain people see it as awful, but other people are like, well, you know... To some people who were like probably having a quiet drink in that pub, let's imagine, hypothetically, they'll see it and it's like a disruption to their night. It's awful. You were awful. Yeah. And so to them, you have ruined their night because they didn't want to see a confrontation like that. Yeah. But actually, to people who understood the situation, you weren't awful. And actually, what you were saying was quite justified and nice. Yeah. Everything's subjective. That's right. People can be more than one thing. They so can. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, what is your most valuable whatever, V? Colin Farrell. This time. Mm. So Brendan Gleeson the other time. Colin Farrell this time. The face acting is unreal. It's so good. And he's just a sweetheart. And he just rinses everything out of that. And I never thought he was an idiot. And I, I liked him as a nice guy. And I do see the value of just being nice and being happy. And you could do a lot worse than live your whole life with that man, I think. 
um, I just was in love with him, which you're supposed to be. You're supposed to feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah. you know, he said, I always thought that was a good thing. And I never thought he nice. was annoying. I never, I didn't see how he would, I could understand, you know, bar the normal chatting and all of that, like he banging on for two hours about donkey shite, whatever, <laughs> is frustration. But Colma's a big old grown-up who can say, look, do you know what? I can't see you as much because I've got to write this song. So I'm going to see you for an hour a day. We're going to have two drinks max, a new rule, <laughs> like something like that. And he doesn't. And it's, well, you know, for his own reasons. But Colin Farrell, just it, it's just his character. You just feel everything for him. And then his fucking animal dies. It's the worst. So, yeah, him. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here then. Uh, yeah, it's almost Jenny the Miniature Donkey, but Colin Farrell <laughs> is unbelievable in this. And Jenny's performance is helped by him a yeah. great deal. I think he should win some stuff. You would not know that he did not get on with that donkey. You wouldn't. You would that not. is acting. That's, 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 that's going to get in the Oscar. <laughs> Right when he gets up there, right I hate that donkey. <laughs> this is for Jenny. It's not. She's glue. Um, for me, it's Jenny. The donkey. Or. <laughs> Have you written one? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's broken. Well, it's whatever, isn't it? It can be whatever. Yes. Um, I, I was listening to Colin Farrell. He was asked uh, for a memorable note he got from a director, and a director once told him, "Stop doing that with your eyebrows." Wow! I'm glad he didn't listen. Colin Farrell's eyebrows are my MVW this week. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. What a note to give Colin Farrell. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Them eyebrows. What, what a note. <laughs> who was this man? Or this, who was this director? Somebody didn't give a name. Oh god. I'm, a, I'm guessing Terence Malick. Probably. <laughs> that <laughs> or, or Michael Michael Mann. <laughs> that hack. Very good. Uh, right then. What would you change, Chris? I'd, I'd pull out all the stuff with the war going on mm. across the bay. Um, we know. We don't need these conversations. If we want to draw that parallel ourselves, we can make that. Uh, but I don't think, I think it feels really heavy handed, especially watching it this third time. Having read the article and thought about it a lot more, I was like, this is a really bad idea. And I wonder if we need to do something else with Dominic as well in terms of, I don't know, it's such a serious issue uh, that, that they're dealing with. And it, it just, we don't, I don't know, we don't see or hear or understand the effects of it on him. He just feels quite one dimensional, I think, when it comes to that stuff. But I don't know, forget that. I'm going with the troubles. Get rid of them. Okay. V. I'm so pleased you said that because that's kind of mine. I think it's the same thing. And I felt really nervous about saying it because I can't, I thought I can't have this. I wish it wasn't an allegory at all. It could still be a period piece, but it would be a bit cheeky because why would you need to do that? But you could do it on an island, an isolated rural community where you've got two buddies that are just going to fall out and you don't lump in some stuff about the war. Because once you once you twig, it did take me quite a while to twig, but I'm a bit of an idiot. The characters aren't doing what they're doing because of who they are. They're doing what they're doing because of how closely their actions correspond to the bigger allegory. And I found that just distracting but then I thought well that's what makes it great like it kind of educated me about this I don't know very much about the civil war at all but it doesn't does it it doesn't educate you about anything really I don't think apart from the fact that it was something it can it can escalate very quickly all it made me think is there was such a clear gap I was like 1916 and then the 80s and everything else in between I was like who knows kind of thing and that is on me so then I was like I can't have that one so I picked another change which I will go with uh, first scene when Siobhan says to Porik, maybe Calm just doesn't like you anymore. She's pegging out the washing and she uses too many pegs. Even mm, on a windy island, she's that, using too many pegs. I was livid. And that caused me actual anxiety. I'm very particular about my pegs. That's ruined the freaking <laughs> movie. A lot of wind. <laughs> what? A lot of wind, though. Yeah, but my system... 
creates more tension on the uh, the shared peg, and therefore your washing is less likely to be lifted by the breeze. Strong, strong breeze, though. Which I don't know. Be. I don't know. I don't know when about it, this. It's set in 1923. It is year. 100 years mm-hmm. ago. Okay, so uh, my change is at one point. Um, Porig says it takes two to tango, mm. and that term, well, the tango existed. That term was actually coined until the mid 50s. And so it ruins the movie. Now he's talking about the, she had pegs. He's talking yeah. about the drink, and that's, that started in 1918, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. But also, that's the thing. Didn't with the, film, the original it? line was "You've been tangoed." Slapped <laughs> 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 <Just> him. Slapped <laughs> him on both cheeks. <laughs> that's very funny. No, but that's some of the the, the thing. He's just because I don't think people in 1920. Oh, do you know what? How the hell would I know? But when you see a period piece in the 20s, they don't say to each other, "People are less bitter and mental and stuff like that." It's, it's modern language. And yeah, that's and, what that, makes it... and that's why I thought rowing rather than arguing. I just feel like that was a term that they would use more. That, well, that was my question because I, yeah. I, I don't know. But to me, because I don't know whether that was a, uh, that's a, a, a more commonly used term for arguing. But to me, it was like man and wife. Like you know, that couple have been rowing oh, again. Yeah, man okay. and wife. Listen to me. <laughs> I, I belong on in this, Sharon. Yeah, husband and wife. I believe yeah, is the term. I believe so too. V. Thanks. Uh, right then. Are we done? I think we're done. All right, it's time Stand for the verdict. verdict. <laughs> <laughs> Kearney. Don't, did you just come at me with a bottle? Oh I get to punch you. Yes. Out. We've just established. Oh my God. Uh, listeners, Vicky Fair literally enough. came at Alex with a bottle. Fair enough. Wait, okay. What well, do we, I do? We got an even, no, we got an even. It should be a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows when? Who knows where or when it all happened? Right. Sparko, mate. Absolutely Sparko. <laughs> you, you literally could have killed me just then, so that's why I'm just afraid. Uh, right then. Sorry, it's time for the verdict, and then I get to do this bit. That's how it goes. All right, so here we go. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Uh, all right, so I, I really don't know how it's going to go. This, that's what you say, isn't it? I don't know how it's going to go this week, so uh, I she, think... What's she doing? She's trying to work out a catchphrase. Where do you know what she's going to go? Let's get this Fine, done. I'm going to go first because because I can. Right, are you ready? So I love both these films. I dare you. <laughs> Come on. Right, my turn. Right, I love him, Bruges, and I like how funny it is, and it clips along very well, and the casting is fun. However, Colin Farrell, who you're supposed to love in both of these films, in, in Bruges, you're saying some bad stuff and you're still supposed to love him and it's less complicated to love him in Banshees because he's just a sweetie uh, it's more visually accomplished than in Bruges but obviously that comes from it being film number five or four so it's better but only because of where the writing director is rather than it being inherently a miles better film but it is just a better film so Banshees in a sharing there you go you can go next great okay I love both these films it's a very 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 tough call this week uh, Banshees feels like a much more mature and nuanced film the writing is certainly less intentionally and unnecessarily provocative than in Bruges but that's obviously going to be the case because so many years have passed in Martin McDonough's writing I think the performances Farrell is better in Banshees 100%. But I have to say, although this is probably more to do with his character rather than his performance, I prefer Gleason in In Bruges. Jenny's death and Porig holding her is a scene that will never leave me. And Banshees was a much more emotional experience in general. But 
I was a lot more engaged with In Bruges and I like the dialogue and I fucking love Ray Fiennes in it and it's just more my kind of movie because while Martin McDonough has matured in the last 15 years as a writer, I have not mm, as a viewer yeah. and so In Bruges is more my tempo. <laughs> I tell you, just on that though, I did listen to that episode and when you, I got a body shock of like, I'm scarred by that film. Yep. What, it was such a good idea to do it, whoever that's uh, that idea uh, was. Not my, not my tempo. <laughs> B. <laughs> Not my tempo. So Chris. Good. Yeah? You get the deciding well, vote. Vicky's supposed to say it. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, <laughs> Not my tempo. <laughs> Not my tempo. Okay. Chris, you can go. Uh, firstly, I'd like to apologise to producer Nikki and the people of Ireland at large for some of our pronunciation in this episode. I think we yes. should say that. Apologies all round. Uh, I love both these films, much like the pair of you. Um, but... Stereotyping aside, um, I think Banshees is a much more mature work. I like to think I've matured. Uh, it's, it's more subtle. It's more nuanced. It's more emotional. It actually speaks to me in a way that In Bruges doesn't very personally. And uh, so much so that I really, as I said, I can't get it out of my head. I've watched it three times. I know I'm going to watch this film many more times in my life. So uh, 100% Banshees of Inner Sharon. And we have a winner. And that winner is the Best Picture nominee. And in Vicky's opinion, potential winner at the Oscars on March the 12th, The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Congratulations. I have no complaints about that. I think it's great. But if you think we got it wrong, don't forget you can have your vote. Tell us how right or wrong we got it on the show when the poll goes up on Twitter very soon. Uh, once again, that was the last one and only Farch which means we're back to regular service next week. Mm -hmm. And Chris, your phenomenal clue on Monday, I, I think may have given it away too much. It was a bit of an easy clue. Remind us what it was. I looked at my watch. <laughs> and what happened? I was confused. <laughs> Who knew what was going on? Uh, because we're doing a pair of time travel movies. Uh, we are doing The Time Traveller's Wife. Great. And About Time. Mm -hmm. That is a Rachel McAdams time travel romance double Yay. bill. <laughs> Great, Chris. I assume you've picked these movies because you're very excited about being on that show. Yes, we've picked these movies because we're very excited about doing them and I am definitely won't be away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking believable. <laughs> and it makes me feel good, obviously. Yeah. It's like, that's clearly a my week choice. But yeah, fine, it it's fine. It is. No, it's, I know it is. It's just we picked them together in the pub. I you think two, you two did. But it's it's, fine. it's it's weird just how like this really is a pairing that you want us to do, V. Yes, it is. But Chris has somehow constructed it so he's made it a pairing he's picked and then isn't Fucked here off. for. <laughs> do you see why I might be annoyed? Sort of, oh, I see. I yeah, just, I sorry, I didn't see. Aren't you busy on Tuesday as I'm well? Really busy on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, Vicky's. Monologue episodes. <laughs> it is the time traveler's wife versus about time. Uh, and that is it. We are done. Don't forget, if you haven't done already, please do subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Clash of the Titles, and check out all the visual clash you could ever want. We will be back on Monday talking the time traveler's wife. Have a lovely weekend. Bye bye. Clash of the Titles is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.